All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. And so, um, our, and let's pray and, uh, and we'll begin. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to be together. We thank you for your grace and goodness to us. We pray you bless us as we consider um, the uh, just war theory and what it means for us, especially in a day where there is a lot of war. Lord, we pray that you grant us wisdom. Father, we pray it would be beneficial for us to study this. And Lord, may you give us inquisitive minds and reflective hearts that, um, that are marked by the compassion and love and holiness of Christ. And we just pray you bless our time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are um, going to be doing this study in just war uh, theory. And, um, and so one of the things that we need to just really um, uh, begin, uh, begin with is, and so I'm actually using, I'm using our normal slide presentation for this, but we're going to be bounce around a little bit because I'm going to be taking a slightly different approach in how, I, how we present this information, so we may bounce around the slides a little bit uh, um, as we go through. But uh, the question that we're asking is, you know, what is uh, just war, but rather, uh, but rather begin with a, um, let's see here, um, I'd rather begin with uh, what, the question of why is there war? Why is there war? Sin. Sin. Yeah. Yeah. Sin is the, is, is the answer, right? Uh, that, is, that is why. And to get back to the root. And so uh, we, have, uh, we have here the, this painting, this famous painting uh, depiction of the fall. Uh, can anybody tell me who that is depicted there? Adam and Eve. Yeah. And what are, the, what, what are they doing? Yeah, they're leaving the garden, and uh, who's who's telling them to get out? Yeah, yeah. At least the, the angel with the sword, right? Uh, so, yeah, you're gonna listen to that guy, and um, and so it's quite a bouncer. But uh, and so uh, now Adam and Eve, do they look? Uh, how do they look uh, emotionally? Destroyed. Yeah, they look broken, destroyed. So, yeah, so. They're not willingly leaving. Yeah. So, they, so, um, but it really comes down to what you know. Why is there? Why is there war? Because of the fall, right? And how sin affects mankind. Now, uh, how long has war existed? I'm gonna write some of these things down. Well, well, that'd be murder, right? So. Um, so we have. So we said. So um, war um, it exists because of sin. All right, and then um, and and then now the question of how long um, have we been dealing with war? So we can go. We can trace. I mean, obviously, murder is associated. Uh, with war, uh, not all war is murder, but but there is the unjust taking of life that is associated with war, right? Um, so there's a, so there's that. Um, but has there been? Um, uh, ha- have we known a time in the world where there was not war amongst people groups? Yeah, they were united, not for long, no. right? There's always, there's always, there, there's always been. 
uh, war. As far as we can tell, uh, we can always go back and look at the conflict. I mean, uh, you know, uh, you know how, you know, for instance, I mean, how, there's wars going on today that we're not even aware of. I mean, how many of you are aware that there has been an ongoing war in Yemen since 2015? 344,000 people have died in, 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 the, in that little southern part of the Middle East uh, because of uh, largely due through starvation and disease, but also because there's this massive civil war essentially going on in Yemen. Right. And so the government has collapsed and and there's just, you know, I just became aware of it like a week ago. Right. So it's just there's wars going on that we're not even aware of, um, but it, we do trace it back to sin. And really, this is um, this is the earliest from the earliest times we have seen war. Genesis six eleven. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And so and this still remains true. Uh, the flood did not solve that problem, did it? No. No. Right. The, even uh, the flood did not uh, solve the issue of war, even if it temporary, uh, temporarily alleviated the, uh, the cause of it, which was man. Um, let's see here. So as we're, as we're thinking about it, what are, uh, so what are some ways that we have attempted to achieve peace? Uh, like world peace, what are some what are some different ways that we've tried to try to achieve peace? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So appeasement, um, appeasement. All right. Just trying to implement justice. Mm-hmm. And in what way have we tried to implement justice internationally? Yeah, yeah. Just how do we, how have we tried to establish world peace and get rid of war? What are some efforts that we've made? Appeasements one, kind of giving people, giving strongmen what they want. What was that? United Nations. United Nations. Yep. Yeah. So you have the UN, and uh, does anybody remember what the thing that came before the UN? Yeah, the League of Nations. The League of Nations, right? And that collapsed. That was a wild idea. Yeah. 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 Um, also, there are individual country policies that, uh, that we've taken in order to avoid war, right? So, um, isolation, like iso- isolationism. I mean, that's the, that was the U.S.'s position in basically both world wars until we got dragged into both of them. Economic sanctions. That's the, we do okay. That yeah, so economics. Economics, including sanctions. Yeah. yeah. Division of couple, uh, countries, like division in uh, uh, Germany, East, East Berlin, West Berlin, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. North and South Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Korea. yeah, so, so it's like territory settlements. Yeah. Territorial settlements. How to say how you'd say this, but mm-hmm. one way at least, and I'm not sure I agree with this idea, but one way that has been described as trying to implement peace is by building bigger bombs. Yeah. Bigger, building the mm-hmm. biggest weapon. Yeah. You know, I got the biggest stick. So yeah. Want, so I don't know how you. Yeah, so, well, yeah, and so, um, yeah. I don't know what you, but 
Is yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, determent. Uh, um, there you go. It, it, yeah. Uh, it, Mutual destruction. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the the mutually assured destruction from the '80s. Remember that one? Yeah. So, um, which the nuclear weapons are saying, look, you blow us up, we blow you up. Every gets blowed up. Yeah. All right. Like this ain't this ain't gonna go do anybody no good. Right. So, tilt that a little bit. So, um, yeah. So. Uh, so we have uh, so uh, isolation. Uh, so we have here some appeasement. These are some good examples of things that we've tried. Um, so uh, I want to pull up this next slide here. So so this was taken in World War II. This was um, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and um, now uh, Rotterdam uh, had taken an isolationist position. They were neutral. They said, "Hey." World War II is happening. We're neutral. We're not for or against anybody. What had happened? Yeah, that's after the Germans bombed them. All right, and so they uh, and so they uh, so they they were invaded um, and uh, and Nazi defeated them and uh, took a majority of the Jews and sent them off to concentration camps. And so that's uh, uh, unfortunately um, well. Let's see here. Does isolation work? Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It mm-hmm. appears to for sure. Yeah. It's, you know, and it's not, the opposite of isolation doesn't mean that, or to say that isolation doesn't work doesn't mean you jump at war at the next first chance. But, but the idea that we can be just neutral, and if we declare we're neutral, it's like saying, it's like, you know, it's like we always joke about how, like, you know, somebody declares it's a gun-free zone. And so then someone who has a gun goes, oh, well, I guess I can't go rob it. They declared it's a gun-free zone. You know, it's like people, people don't care about that. They don't care about if it's a gun-free zone, if they want to go hurt and do some damage. And likewise, Germany's like, we don't care if you're neutral. You have a valuable piece of territory that we want. It gives us a military advantage. We're going to take it. And we're also going to take the majority of your Jews and, go, and, and see if we can kill them. So, um, One thing you didn't put in the way to peace is war. Yeah, so one, one way to peace also is war, okay, to varying degrees or another. So, uh, so, one th- so one thing that we know is that, uh, that we've seen, we've seen demonstrated in history is that neutrality or isolationism doesn't work, especially if the stakes get high enough, that people don't care about how neutral one is. So, I'm going to pull up this next slide here. So, um, what do you see in this picture? Pearl Harbor. How do you know it's Pearl Harbor? Yeah, because talk about World War II and planes, right? And so, yeah, this is this is Pearl Harbor, and this was we were isolation. We were isolationist, right? We said we're not getting involved. We're going to support our support the Allies a bit, but Japan, basically Japan, what they did, they did the math, and they said, look, if we you know we want to do some stuff, but if we attack the people we want to attack. Eventually, the dominoes are going to fall, and the U.S. is probably going to get involved. So if we go ahead and hit the U.S. now, we hit them hard enough, and go ahead and scare them and knock them out of the war, then that will secure our ability to do what we want in this area. Um, but the problem was that they failed, and, they, and even one of the uh, generals said that all we accomplished was to awake a sleeping giant. So and now we had mentioned... Uh, the League of Nations before. This is the League of Nations here that formed together. 
And uh, part of the problem of the League of Nations that just had no ability to do anything. It was just kind of, uh, it just, they just didn't do anything. And they had no ability to enforce anything they wanted to do. And so it was just, uh, so, it, so it collapsed uh, fairly quickly. So, yeah. So, you, you have up there ways to achieve peace, okay? Mm-hmm. So, I would ask you, you know, my question would be, what's the definition of peace? Mm-hmm. So, is it the absence of a fight, or is it the absence of a threat? Because that would change how you view what it takes to make peace. Yeah, so the question is, how do we define peace? And is it simply the absence of war or the absence of a threat? And I think it does come down to how do we define those things? Um, Because, uh, you know, do we define, because do we define peace? Because there's always threats, right? So the question is, is how many of those threats are credible or significant enough to, um, uh, to threaten our national interest, uh, to disrupt society and life? Um, you know, if there's any threat out there, you know, against us, do we go, um, I forgot which president said that, you know, we don't need to go abroad looking for monsters to fight. And that's always the quote that's thrown out about how we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't be in Afghanistan or be in these other places. Um, but at the same time, we have 9-11. At the same time, we have these issues where we don't go to these places, but these places come to us. <laughs> these people will cut, you know, these evil people will come to us at times. And so, um, and so I think it's important to define those terms of what does it mean to be at peace and, and in national terms to be able to uh, essentially um, for a country to be able to operate within its boundaries, its borders, and to, for its citizens to essentially uh, thrive without immediate threat upon their lives. I mean, something along those lines, uh, I, would, I would say something along that uh, would be, uh, if we're talking about just in terms of nation states, talking about peace. We're not talking about necessarily biblical peace of the shalom and the wholeness of the person and every, every person sitting under his own fig tree like the Old Testament would, uh, would say necessarily. Uh, now, what, you know, mentioned war as a, as a pathway to peace. You know, here's a theoretical map of what it might have looked like if Germany had succeeded. You know, and just this is just a theoretical map. Uh, some have uh, Japan even more into the U.S. if they think about it, if they're looking at it. Uh, but, um, but, you know, there's, there is a type of peace that comes when you've killed all your enemies or all your enemies have bowed the knee. We, we, there was an ancient peace uh, called the Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome. It came with the sword. And so, it, you know, it was, a, it was very peaceful once you stopped fighting Rome and you bowed the knee. And paid the tax and became a province, you know. And so there is a type of peace that can be won through domination, right? Now, we're not saying it's a good kind of peace or a true peace, uh, but simply saying that there is, you know, there can come a point where war ends because enough, enough, enough people have dominated and, and taken over. And so we have the Third Reich, we have communism, but with that type of peace comes atrocities, Right? Some of the stuff we're seeing uh, coming out of Ukraine in recent weeks, um, as uh, as uh, seeing what the Rush- some of the Russians have been doing to these people in these towns, and you know, it's like, yeah, there would be peace if the Russians slaughtered all you know all most of the Ukrainians and just took it over and and just bow you know bent them to broke them, you know, that would be peace of a sort. But we would say that's not really a true peace. It's not a real peace. That's a peace that comes at. Uh, um, unacceptable 
atrocity and horror. And so, uh, and so, so what are we supposed to, you know, so what are we supposed to make of this? Um, well, uh, what, you know, thinking about war. So, uh, so Matthew 24, verses 3 through 7. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, uh, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will, de- and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So, based on what, what Jesus says here, how, uh, how, should we under, how, should a, uh, how should Christians... Understand what are some things that we learn about war from Jesus' words here? Our experience of it, its presence in the world. Yeah, war is going to happen, right? It's a based on what Jesus says here. Should we reasonably expect that if we just get it right, we can somehow eradicate war from the earth? No. No. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It must happen, and and why? And 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 apart from this is the part of the plan of God for the end. Going back to the beginning, why is war going to continue until Christ returns? Sin, right? When does sin get removed from the world? When Christ comes, right? Yeah, when He comes, then so, and then, and only then. And so, and so that means it's up to us to deal with the reality that war exists. And, it's, um, and, and that may not be something that's hard for you to comprehend, but it is hard for a lot of people uh, in, modern, modern, in the modern world to comprehend. I mean, it's kind of, it's almost like a throwback to, um, you know, back in uh, World War II, you know, with leading up. You know, they're appeasing Hitler, they're appeasing Hitler, and the British Prime Minister famously went and met with Hitler, and Hitler just lied through his teeth and was like, no, 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 and then, and, then, uh, and then the British Prime Minister comes back and says, I have achieved peace for our time, right? And then, and then very shortly after that, <laughs> Hitler invaded Poland, you know, and it's just like, and even there's parallels there, not saying we're getting to World War III, but there are parallels to even what we saw here, where so many people were like, Oh, Putin's not going to go into Ukraine. That's crazy. He wouldn't do that. It's impractical. He doesn't, uh, you know, he, he would disrupt the order. He would just, uh, he's a practical guy. He's not going to do it until he did. And for whatever reason, whatever reason that he has that he wants to do it, that he feels like this is a must do for himself or for his country, he did it. He invaded it and he said, you know, and, he, and, and now he may be, you know, changing the goal the goalposts for himself right now, but uh, but he wanted uh, to in, take over Ukraine and enfold it back into Russia. So, so despite our efforts to and even noble efforts to eliminate war, war exists, and so to try to permanently end war is really a fool's errand. And so, the only solution then is to be prepared for the wars as they arise. And, and, and Lord willing, we'd be able to prevent some wars, 
But not all wars can be prevented. So the primary question that we're dealing with here is, how should we as Christians live in a world that exists with the reality of war? That's the question we have to ask. Not, should there be war? There is war. Right? We can deal with that as a theoretical matter, but we're talking about living in the real world. There is war, and we need to, as believers, need to ask ourselves, how do we relate to it? And so, um, and this is the question that this study is primarily geared to answer and to begin to answer, really. And so, uh, there's whole courses on this, there's whole books on this, there's all kinds of stuff written on just war theory. Um, but, uh, and so this is meant to help give you categories of thought and to think through and to raise up questions. So, so please be sure to raise those questions um, in, uh, in here and, and ask them. And, uh, and so, uh, so we can tackle them and, uh, as best we can. So, and if I don't know something, I'll, I'll call Matt and see if he knows. <laughs> and then we'll find out. Uh, but uh, there's, uh, there's, we've got different resources on uh, that we've used to develop this. Uh, and I want to give Matt, uh, Matt's uh, really gets the line share of the credit here. He's put this whole presentation together for the most part, and, um, and he really put a ton of work into this. So we're basically just borrowing his notes for, for a lot of these sessions. But uh, we need to do some definitions here. Just like we had to define peace a minute ago, um, we also need to define what war is. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's do that. Um, so what... What would you say, if you're going to make a definition, what is war? Now, looks like my child was at work on the, on the back of the board here. Armed conflict. Okay, armed conflict. Yeah, you've got to have conflict, right? Armed conflict for it to be war. It can't just be like writing nasty notes on Twitter, right? That's not war. So, so armed conflict... Power. Power? And what do you mean by power? Control. L- like authority? Or? Yeah, power and uh, over all the, You know, they want to be head. Okay. Demonstrate, I mean. Um, yeah, power, um, authority, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and you mean like a desire? Um, right. Desire? To rule. Yeah, to rule a, a particular area. Mm-hmm. To rule an area or people. Now, what, what's the difference between, say, um, uh, let's say, uh, um, uh, World War, or the, the, the War of 1812 between U.S. And, and Britain? What's the difference between that and, say, the Hatfields versus the McCoys? Right? Because you could have armed conflict, they're shooting at each other, right? Scale. Scale, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, huh? Motivation, scale, motivation, and also what are what are the Hatfields and the McCoys? Okay, and um, and what and what is the U.S. and Britain? Nations. Nations. That's the key. So um, because we can say gang war, but that's not true war. Okay, we can say we can say you know we can put war on a lot of things, uh, but uh, but when we but war has to exist between either two sovereign groups or a sovereign group and a group that wants to be sovereign. All right, right? So can, it, can anyone think of a war where you have a group, of, a group who wants to be sovereign versus a sovereign group? Revolutionary, Revolutionary war. Revolutionary war, right? So, 
So this, so war is um, is one one helpful definition is uh, war is when a legally sovereign people uh, group or one that intends to become sovereign physically fights against another sovereign people group. Right. And so this is uh, so it's very helpful for us to declare. You know, so terrorism is not war. You know, the war on terror is not technically war. Right, because it's not war on a nation or between nations; it's something else, and that, which is what makes it so difficult and hairy. Now, uh, we also in this study we, we work with um, uh, we we work with basically anybody who wants to come, but a lot of times it's flight students, flight instructors, uh, or any other um, Navy or Marine personnel that want to come and attend the study. We don't know who shows up, so we always make sure that we define what a Christian is, right? And so, um, and so a Christian is a person who turns from sin to God by faith, receiving and resting upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation, and subsequently endeavoring after new obedience to God. Because we're not just dealing with secular war, uh, just war theory, we're dealing with Christian war, just war theory. And so we are dealing it from a Christian perspective. We want to make that uh, very clear, because there are versions of just war theory that are not Christian. They're more secular based, and they're more kind of used like a checklist as to, you know, we've got these boxes that we need to check for our war to be just uh, wherever you base justice. And as long as we check at least two or three of those, we'll go ahead and do it. And that, and that, and 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 we're like, well, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a right use of just war theory. It's not meant to be a checklist to to give us permission to go to war. It's um, it's meant to give us a framework to understanding about how we approach war and engage in it, but not just to be kind of like some kind of legalistic checklist. Because then you start making loopholes, you start getting real fuzzy, you start playing word games. So, uh, but we also need to talk about when we talk about war. You've heard this word just. Uh, a lot already, huh? Just by what standard? There you go. Yeah, just. Yeah. So, um, so for Christians, where where would we find our definition of justice, or or, or whether or not something is just or unjust? God's law. God's law. Yeah. Which comes from who? God. God. Right. God is the definition of justice for us, and so that also means that we define. Uh, how we engage in war according to his standards, according to his character, and so uh, and so when we get into this, um, uh, as we as we look at it, we want to make sure that we're clear. Let me pull up the next slide here. Oh, went too far. No. All right. Oops. No. Hold on. back here. Let's see here. Oh yeah, okay. No, we're right. Oops. There we go. There we are. All right, sorry. So, um, so as we're, as we're looking at this, there are different um, positions on, uh, on war. So how would we define uh, something like pacifism? Yeah, neutral, no fighting, yeah, for any reason. Yeah. 
Um, and what are some uh, what are some texts that you that uh, you may have heard or that you might think that uh, pacifists would cite from the Bible? We're talking about Christian positions on war, and there are a lot of Christian pacifists. Turn the other cheek. Okay. Thou shalt not kill. That's right. What's it? Okay. Yeah. Thou sh- yeah. Thou shalt not kill. Yeah, forgive sending. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, uh, to be uh, to be forgiving. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So, in, in, from a pacifist view, is uh, is is war ever justified? No, it's never justified. It's always wrong. It's always evil. And to participate in it is to displease God and to sin. So now, unsurprisingly, don't get a lot of pacifists in the military. But um, but uh, but we are we still got to be able to define it. Uh, so let's see here. Um, what about uh, so the other position on the other side is going to be? Um, uh, oh, here's 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 one. Here's one passage uh, from Matthew twenty six fifty one fifty two. Um, that for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Right. That's that's one that gets uh, put forward as well. Uh, and then, uh, then we have sixth commandment. But what about uh, holy war? So, what is a, what might be holy war? And we're talking about from a Christian perspective. So, we're not talking about Islam, but but we're talking about can, what, what, what do you, when you hear like Christian holy war, what might you think of the crusades? The crusades. All right. Yeah, the crusades. That would have been they. It's a mischaracterization, but I, it, I it can be used. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, what about? Um, what about in the Old Testament? Was there any holy war? Oh yeah, Joshua. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the conquest of Canaan was was a holy war, and so uh, now a, a holy war is sanctioned uh, and not only promoted by God but required by God. Right? He didn't give them an option. So I'll give you an example. Uh, so pull up Deuteronomy um, seven two. Where he says, right, it says, right, it says right at the air, he says at the at the verse two, he says, and when the Lord gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy with them. Now that wasn't the standard Israel warfare, but there were certain times like the conquest of Canaan where Israel was given specific instructions to show no mercy. And so because they were the tool of God's judgment upon, uh, upon the nation, uh, upon the nations that were in Canaan. All right. So, uh, so when we look at, so when we think about um, uh, pacifism, one of the, uh, as, oh, well, so hold on. I'm still thinking about holy wars here. Um, so obedience to God is, is what's required to, you're going to wage war. And now there are some, Particular preconditions that are that are met um, that must be met or be understood in terms of for something to be a holy war. So, if something is a holy war, um, whether you think of the Crusades, you're thinking about the Old Testament Israel. Um, what must be true about church and state? Are they? they have to be united. Yes, united. Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, they are. They are together, right? Church and state are, are essentially one. Or, or like in the medieval period, um, the state is heavily influenced by the church. Um, so, uh, and so, but they have to be united to, for something to be holy war, right? Uh, they're not separated. 
So, uh, so as they are in uh, in America, and actually, there's a lot of good writing that highlights that separation of church and state is a very good thing. Um, it's, a, it's something that you want, even though it does get abused and mischaracterized. Okay. So, hmm? what were the crusades uh, sanctioned? Uh, no, not specifically. No. So he was asking if the, if the crusades were sanctioned by God, and so and so they were. The crusades were effectively a response to Muslim invasion. Into into the into the Roman Empire, and so they were pushing back, and so and 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 the reality is is that yes, were there atrocities committed by the uh, by the Crusaders? Yes, there were also a bunch of atrocities committed by the Muslim invaders. Like it was a bloody medieval conflict, is what it was, and so um, so it was, but it was not this like evil, just like the the, mis- the mischaracterization of the of the Crusades is that it's just this. Evil bloodlust, kind of land, 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 you know, stuff like that. Whereas it was actually they were kind of they're pretty freaked out because these Muslims were just coming in and just taking over wide swaths of land, and so they were fighting back to take over stuff. Was it, it was the Roman Empire, not Richard the Lionhearted? Hmm? Was it the Roman Empire, not Richard the Lionhearted, or is that what you said? The Roman Empire. I thought it was Richard the Lionhearted. Well, I mean, they, he was involved at various points as well, but um, but you'd have to go look at the history of Crusades specifically. Um, and so, yeah, Boas did a study on Richard the Lionhearted. So, okay. yeah, so he was he was involved. Well, the Roman Empire went up into Britain as well. Um, yeah, well, the Muslims continued. So the, the Muslims continued after after the uh, after the um, uh, after the uh, Holy Roman Empire um, collapsed. So, uh, so the uh, uh, so so the idea here is that you have a war that is meant to. Um, uh, to spread religion or, or to spread religious political power is often how it's used in, ter- in common common way of describing it, um, which may be uh, may be applied to um, to England or the Holy Roman Empire uh, or in non-Christian examples, Islamic empires, uh, where you have a, con- a, a, a unification between the church and state. So. Let's see here. Oh, we already talked about these. So as far as pacifism and holy war go, though, I mean, pacifism, you know, Jesus never corrected a Roman soldier and the apostles never corrected Roman soldiers to say that now that they're believers, they cannot serve the military anymore. If you read the Gospels, you read the book of Acts, you see, you know, Peter talks to the centurion in Acts chapter 10, never brings it up. Right. And so um, so there is there is no there is no there is no specific command to say that. Also, there's the issue of the sixth commandment, which says not just thou shalt not kill, but more accurately, thou shalt not murder. Right. You shall not take life unjustly. But positively speaking, um, we uh, we are to um, uh, we are to take uh, we actually the, the sixth commandment requires us to take action to protect life. And, uh, and so sometimes that requires the taking of life in order to protect life. And so, and so, this, and so it doesn't mean that the simply saying thou shalt not kill is not a good enough you know, statement because it wasn't just the killing in general. Uh, it was, it's the unjust taking of life. Thou shalt not murder is the, accurate, uh, is, is the more accurate translation there. And so, huh? Jesus knew that Peter had that sword. He yeah. He didn't want to tell him to kill he just told him to put it up because he was using it wrongly. Yeah, yeah, so Jesus told Peter to put up his sword, but he had it, but it wasn't bad that he had it. No. Right. 
verses before, he said, did she so good? And we said, they said, well, we got two. And he said, all right. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, so, so as we're looking at, uh, so, uh, as we, so we, don't act, we don't believe holy war is the accurate description of what we should view and engage with war is as believers. We also don't um, believe that pacifism is the right um, view either, uh, biblically speaking. Uh, and so this is where uh, we get into just war theory itself. And so just war theory is an attempt to, uh, to understand from God's perspective. Let's see, do I have a definition of that up here? Okay, so um, that um, the, the, to understand from the scriptures, from God's perspective, what the conditions are uh, for when it is right or wrong to go to war, and then how to conduct that war in a right or wrong manner. And we define that right or wrong in terms of God and uh, his truth. And so war can be the right thing to do given the right circumstances. That's what we believe. Given the right circumstances, war can be the right answer. What about fighting in an unjust war? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it's not the means and reasons for mm-hmm. that nation going against other Right. So, so what if you are a citizen or a soldier... That's caught up in an unjust war, right? So let's say you're an average German, you're a good person, and you get and you and you have no choice because you get put into the army in World War II and sent over to fight the Allies, and you don't believe in it, and you don't think this is right, right? And so, so we're gonna get into more of that in detail in the study. We do uh, in, get into that. Um, uh, the short answer is is that for the for the average soldier. They are primarily responsible for their own conduct in a war, not whether or not they get shipped off to it. And so that the the accountability for whether or not the cause is just rests upon the leaders of the nation who brought them into that war. And that it falls on their heads, not on the individual soldier that's lower in the ranks. That make sense? Um, But they're responsible for if they say, hey, go, you know, go shoot up the, you know, it's World War II and, you know, just... Go gas these kids or something like that. You know, it's like you know, it, you know, go do something terrible. Uh, they do the uh, then the believer would have a responsibility to say, no, I cannot do that. That is an unjust order because you're asking me to go murder people. And so, um, and so that's uh, so that's 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 the short answer. But we'll we'll get into it. So we believe that the Bible gives us guiding principles. In just a minute, choir members will have to go out. So, um, but the Bible gives us uh, guiding principles. Um, typically, we like to think of one side is right and one side is wrong, uh, but the reality is, is that both sides could be wrong. You can have both sides that are in an unjust war with one another, um, both, while they both think they're just. Okay? This stuff starts getting real complicated as we get into it. Now, um, you can't talk about just war theory without talking about Latin phrases. So you have just ad bellum. Uh, which, uh, and I've got two students in here that study Latin, so anybody, let me tell me what bellum is? War. War. And, uh, and so, um, and, uh, so, and, and so this uh, just is, uh, means right. And so the right. So, so essentially, an ad is two. So it means the right to war. Just cause. Just cause to go to war. Who has the right to go to war? And who has the right cause to go to war? We're going to be looking at that. And then also, we're going to be looking at just embello, which means right in war. 
the right, the right conduct in that war. So the right to go to war and the right acting rightly within that war. Uh, so let me uh, just, this, we're about to wrap it here. Um, so this is the overview. Um, so we are, we are going to what is just war. Now next week, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a, a basically a historical background of just war theory. Uh, and then after that, we'll get into just cause. We're actually going to do just conduct in one session. Um, and then we're going to talk about God's will in, in combat. We're going to talk about how that is at work. You know, and then we're not going to do law of armed conflict. Uh, one, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that we had a guest speaker come in last time to do that, so I can't leave that part. And the final part will be what we call the warrior ethic. That's normally where we talk of, talk to the individual pilots uh, or soldiers and say, "Hey, this is your responsibility in war." Um, but it's there that we're also going to talk about our responsibility as civilians and what how do we respond in war? What's our role? In war, so that's the overview of the course, and uh, and that is the introduction. So, thank y'all. Thank you.